Welcome to Kanza Radio, a weekly update on the people, events, activities, and initiatives of the Kaan Nation, people of the South Wind, on 1230 WBBZ and 1047 The Bull. Now from the Kaan Nation studios, this week's edition of Kanza Radio. Today we're sitting down with Jalen Kent. She's the Kaan Nation Procurement Director as well as the Chair for Kaan Nation Cultural Committee. Um, where'd you go to college? Did you pursue any education after high school? I did. I went. I started out at Northern Oklahoma College where I received my associates in science and then there on I went to Oklahoma State University where I am still studying business analytics. What led you to become the director of Conation Procurement Department? I believe that that department was recently established. Are you the are you the first director for that department? Actually, I'm not. When I first started out in the procurement department, I started out as the procurement coordinator and I originally had someone else over me who was the procurement director and then they soon after retired and then I just moved up, stepped in as the director. Mhm. So in a nutshell, what are the objectives of our procurement or really any procurement department? So there's really three big objectives you look at with procurement, and those are to cut down excess spending, to build those relationships that can and will benefit us as the call nation, and to improve quality at a lower cost. Tell us a little bit about the culture committee that you are director of, or actually the chair on. What are some of the main responsibilities of the Connation Cultural Committee? So one of the big ones is to preserve and maintain our culture and to um, really just push the youth to be more involved because right now we really don't have very much youth involvement. And without that, who's going to carry on like our culture and our practices? We also coordinate a couple annual powwows. I know that the Connation Cultural Committee is responsible for most of that. Tell us a little bit about our annual powwows. So the first one we have is it's Washunga Days powwow and it's held during the Washunga Days festival up in Council Grove, Kansas. That's where our call people are originally from. The This powwow started in June of 1982. In, in the 80s, in the beginning, it was held at the call mission that we have up there. And then in 2015, we had an arbor built. So the event has been growing over time. I know that we had some challenges with COVID and we've recently just kind of reintroduced this powwow. How did our 2022 event go? Saturday was actually our biggest event that's ever taken place there, as I was told, with over 400 people in attendance. So we're on the up and up with that. That's incredible. In terms of the Kaw Nation powwow that's held in Washunga Bay, tell us a little bit about the history of that event. I know that has some really rich history regarding um, Kaw Nation tribe. So actually, my great-great-grandmother, Maudie McCauley-Clark Rowe, and her son, Elmer Clark, they had gotten together and they decided to bring our dancing traditions back. And they held the first call nation like call powwow in the in elmer's backyard in shidler oklahoma during the fall of 1977 during this first powwow several of the last full bloods attended and because of those actions that took place the annual call nation powwow was held the first weekend of august every year i was able to attend the most recent one this last summer uh, in august it was an incredible experience the dancers were amazing um, really beautiful uh, regalia 
Is there anything remarkable that you remember about this last most recent powwow, especially coming out of COVID? Coming out of COVID, we weren't able to have a powwow for a couple of years. And it was really good to see the numbers really climb, especially this year and see all the attendees. In terms of the Connation Cultural Committee, are you currently accepting applications for anybody that wants to kind of join the committee? And if so, how would they go about doing that? So we have one open seat right now. And the process of applying for the committee would be to get with our tribal council secretary, little Carol Clark, and uh, you'll just, you'll request a interest slash board interest form and you'll fill that out and turn it back into her and she'll present it to the tribal council. The committee does an excellent job with everything you guys do. I know you have some things you'd like to see develop moving forward. Uh, one of those is a lot of more inter-tribal networking. I know that they were actually very instrumental in helping you guys coordinate this most recent set of annual powwows. Could you elaborate on that a little bit further? Our committee is all new this past year. We all kind of stepped in in March of 2022, and none of us had prior had ever put together a powwow, and it was something very new for us. So reaching out to those other cultural committees from the surrounding tribes, they were more than willing to you know, show us the ropes and how to do those things. So we're really thankful for that. And with that, we would like to continue working with them and maybe having some hand games, some intertribal events, and seeing where we can go with that to keep those relationships with them going. That's very important. Continue to work with the other tribes in the community. And uh, I also noticed in our October 22 Kanza newsletter, there was actually a piece about you and your participant in something called Leadership Ponca City. It's a program that basically helps future leaders of the community. It looks like they selected you amongst upwards of almost 40 applicants. So that's, that's really impressive. Tell us a little bit about the program. What are some of the aspects of the program? Maybe some stuff you've been learning. Yeah. So there were, there's 24 of us in my class including me. And we meet once a month for 10 months, and that's from August to May. So what we do is during each session each month, we all get together and we have our days planned out from 7 a.m. all the way to like 6.30 p.m. Like it's a super busy day. We, we, we go meet with people in our community, our surrounding communities, who serve in these leadership roles and they kind of just tell us, you know, how they got there and what it means to be a leader and to, to serve selflessly for the people in the area. I think that has a lot of beneficial aspects to it, especially regarding your future involvement with the tribe. I know that you uh, want to participate in as many ways as you can in helping the tribe. And this leadership program is, is definitely going to be a great resume builder for you. Jalen, thank you so much for sitting down with us today talking to us a little bit about the about the things you have going on and I look forward to sitting down with you again in the in the future sometime and getting some updates and talking a little more with you. Yes, thank you, Lonnie. You're listening to Kanza Radio on twelve thirty WBBZ and one oh four seven the bull. For more information, visit connation.com. Are you looking for a fun way to be active and live a healthy lifestyle? Kanza Wellness Center in Newkirk is your destination for state-of-the-art cardio machines, a full weight room, and group fitness classes for all ages and fitness levels. Also, get a game of pickleball started next door at the Macaulay Gymnasium. Want to rent our facilities for a private party with bounce house included? No problem. Call 580-362-1444 
floor to find out more. For health, fitness, and fun, come see us at the Konza Wellness Center at 3201 East River Road in Newkirk, Oklahoma, next to the Konza Clinic, where the pharmacy is now open through lunch. This is Konza Radio, a service of the Con Nation of Oklahoma. Sitting down with us currently is Bernadette Hicks. She is the Director of Grants and Contracts with Con Nation. She is also the Library Director. That's a lot of what we're going to sit down and actually talk about today. Thank you for coming in today, Bernadette. Thank you, Lonnie, for having me. So let's start. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You live in Kansas, correct? Yes, I do. I um, drive into uh, Cos City every day, and I've been with the tribe since 2009. And so it's been a real pleasure to work with the tribe all these years. Oh, wow. Okay. So in terms of this uh, position that you have as the library director, what led you to land in that spot? Because I'm sure that you're very busy as the director of grants and contracts. It's interesting that you you took on this extra role, and we're actually very thankful that you did. Um, One of the things that uh, led me to become the library director is that I manage and write all of the library grants that we have, and I just had a really strong passion for that. We didn't have a person at the time that had a lot of the background that it took to help us to get that funding. And so ever since then that I first started working on those grants, I became the library director and it just kind of stuck. We've got the right person in there. That's, that's amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about the history of the Caw Nation Library? Yes. Um, in 2008, the Call tribal members expressed a desire to have a library and learning center um, with some long-distance learning capabilities in Caw City. So they uh, brought that to the tribal members at a community meeting. And then in 2009, in cooperation with a uh, U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, Indian Community Development Block Grant, we call them ICDBGs, we were able to complete construction of the Kansas Library and Learning Center in Cost City. It's a great addition to the community. I know that it's, it's a great service to the people locally. Can you discuss some of the the collections and resources offered at our library? Well, we have a lot of things to offer the community. We do have a children's room that has their own children's library. We have a coffee nook with a community corner, and we provide magazine and the latest news and media. Some of the things that we also provide is storytelling events and and seasonal activities, like we have um, visits from Santa and some local authors that will come and talk about the books that they've written in Oklahoma. We provide books to the children. We've got a lot going on over there. Yes, we do. We want people to make their way over and participate. Um, Can you tell us any more about upcoming events or special events that are planned at the library? Well, we are trying to uh, community engagement, so we are going to start having a monthly movie night. We have an inflatable screen that we can put outside and provide movies out there. We are working on a kindness rock garden where we will do rock painting activities on Saturday mornings, and children can come and either make a rock or take a rock or create a new one, and... We are looking towards reestablishing our after-school program with a tutor and the possibility of putting in a blessing box. 
Um, in the past, we've had a resource uh, section for Scheidler, and we are looking to do that again for their school systems. Very bright future. We also got some, some repairs and um, remodeling done recently at the library, correct? Absolutely. Uh, we've had the entire library has been repainted and the flooring has been replaced. Um, we're really working to refresh and renew the library and make it very inviting to our community. I believe we also got some um, some new roof repairs done there too. Yes, oh, yes. Wow. There's been a lot going on over there. So what are the hours of operation for the library? What times can people come in and enjoy this? Currently, the library is open from 8 to 4. We are hoping to change those hours a little bit to be a little bit more friendly to the students because it's sometimes hard for them to get there. So we're hoping to uh, be open until 6 o'clock soon and some on Saturday mornings. And it's open to the general public. Anybody can come there, right? You don't have to be native. No, it is open to everyone. Um, whether you live in the community or not, we want the general public to know that we're available as a resource. And we have a very large native section. So we have a lot of reading materials that a lot of other libraries do not provide. So in terms of future goals, you did discuss that a little bit. I guess what I would ask is, in five years... What would your ideal library look like in terms of resources available as well as community participation? Well, I think that one of the main things is that we are a community cornerstone and that people know that they can come and gather there and meet and have the latest books and media. We offer any time that a patron comes in and they want a new bestseller or media item, we want to be able to provide that for them. We want to be able to have our after-school program back and up and going so that we can have a tutor to help some of the kids here since we're very rural community. Um, another thing we're looking at is adding a language app kiosk so that they, we can provide a word of the day and also current events and information regarding tribal information and future activities. And then another thing that we're looking at is adding a thing called Story Walk to our nature trail behind the library. We're re in the process of refurbishing that and are hoping to offer different stories on tribal history that that we can interchange. It could be tribal history. It could be about the powwows. It could be about a children's book if we have the kids from childcare visiting. In terms of preserving our native language, I know that our language director, Storm Brave, she does some work over there out of that property as well. Um, what are some of the things that are done in terms of language from the library? Storm has her language classes held there. She's also doing Zoom classes now so that even if you're not able to be on site, you're able to engage in her classes. She does a lot of partnering with other programs so that we can infuse the native language into those programs. And she works a lot with our children that come to the library and just helping them to understand our culture. So yeah, if you're listening to this, please come to Cause City, come check out the Cause Nation Library. Bernadette, thank you so much for sitting down talking with us. You do a lot for the tribe. You're a huge resource for us. I look forward to maybe sitting down with you in the future, talking a little more about the grants and contracts side of things. Thank you. I appreciate that, Lonnie. You're listening to Kanza Radio on 1230 WBBZ and 1047 The Bull. For more information, visit Nation.com.
For this segment, we have Storm Brave. She's the language director for Caw Nation. Thank you for coming in today, Storm. Oh, Weeblahan. Thank you for asking me. So you're a Caw Nation tribal member who's very involved with the culture and language. Tell us a little bit about how Caw Nation culture shaped your upbringing. Well, I was raised by my mother, Gonze Wakogi. She's Gonze, and she's from the Donikashinga, the Deer Clan. So being raised around my culture and my language is how I have my position today. Although my father, he is from the Wahakalin district, and he's Wajaji. So I'm both tribes. I'm Wajaji and Gonze. But I was raised Gonze. And ever since I was little, I have been here with on my Gonze reservation with my people and just immersed in this environment. So I guess that's how I am who I am today. So at what point did you know that you wanted to use this upbringing and being so embedded in your culture to help preserve our native language? What ultimately led you to becoming the language director for Ka Nation? I think what led me to this position today is the path that my grandma, Iko Gitse Mariro, she was the one in the 1970s who preserved our language and worked with a linguist from KU, Dr. Bob Rankin, to preserve our Gonze Ie so it is able to carry on and be picked up by me, her granddaughter, and I foresee it having a good future now, and it wouldn't be possible without my grandma, Maud Rowe, today. You also mentioned Dr. Rankin. Mm-hmm. I've seen some things throughout the archives on our on our dot com website. He played a, a pretty important role for a long time as well, correct? Yes. When my grandma Madro uh, began her journey on this language preservation and and putting a, together a dictionary in the nineteen seventies, she worked with Dr. Bob Rankin, and she lived in Scheidler, Oklahoma. Still today, when I listen to her audio tapes in my office. Um, I can hear in the background a bunch of children, and that's actually my mom and my uncles playing in the background. And he would come there every day, and they would sit under this big tree in Scheidler, and they would work on making a dictionary and studying the Gonze Ie so it could be preserved for today. When I was little, something else that probably shaped me is my mother, little Carol Clark, she used to work for the language department, and she worked with my teacher, by Taposka, Justin McBride. She worked there, and my little brother and I were taking Gonze Ie classes when we were five and six years old, and we stuck with our Gonze Ie classes until we graduated high school. And so having that much language training and studying, that's how I also got here. Our language is referred to as Degiha Soon which basically means that it's part of a larger language family involving other tribes, right? Yes. It said like a long day ago that there was um, one tribe and the Kaanze Nikashinga, they actually don't say Degiha, we say Yagaha Nikashinga. There was five tribes that were one tribe. It was the Omaha or the Umaha, Bonka, Wajaji, Ogapa, and Kaanze Nikashinga. And that'll be Ponca, Quapaw, Omaha, Gonze, and Wajaji, or Osage. 
And a long time ago, we were all together. But as we started making our way across the plains, we started to break apart. And the Bonka Nikashinga, they kind of went one way towards Nebraska and I guess like the western part of Oklahoma. And then the Omaha, they stayed up north. And the Gonze, Wajaji, and Ogapa Nikashinga, we came down a little bit further. And then soon the Ogapa or Kwapa Nikashinga, they broke off and they went downstream. And today you you would notice that their casino is called the Downstream Casino. That's just them and part of our history as the Degiha people. And then the Wajaji and the Gonzi Nikashinga stayed together the longest. And you can kind of tell that in our our languages because they're so similar. When you're listening to them both, it's kind of hard to tell sometimes who is speaking what because we're just still very closely related. That also gives us good language allies and a good future, I guess, because we would have someone. Preserve it. Yeah, yeah, preserve it because we'll always have somebody to to help us. We'll never be our ne- our language will never be taken from us. So, tell us about some of the programs that you currently have in place regarding education and preserving the language for future generations. I believe you have locations in Cos City as well as Newkirk. My uh, language department in Gonzitamo in Cos City. We have an immersion class at 10.30 a.m. on Mondays and Wednesdays. And those classes are for mostly before school age children. And that's who I target in those classes because they're um, they're being immersed in, into Gonze So I try to speak as much Gonze as I can. And that's where I have some really good speakers that have left that class to go to regular school and it's just amazing seeing how much they can actually learn before they go to school. But it's kind of sad once they do go to school, they kind of lose those skills. But I still get them on Christmas breaks and Thanksgiving breaks and stuff like that. So that's an immersion class. And I have currently I have a set of two-year-old twins and a two and two more two-year-olds that are cousins. And I have two sisters that are just from here in Cost City. And so a kind of nice size class for language class. And that's something that is new or newer to our to our people. And it started when I started as the director to have immersion classes. And then we have a, a class that's our advanced class that's been going for a little over 20 years. And there's two students still left in there. And they work to research, and it's more of a conversational class, and that's on Thursday evenings at 5.30. And those classes, our advanced class is actually on Zoom as well. So if you are wanting to enroll into that class, it's it's pretty easy. If you look on the website, you will see our email and our phone numbers. And if you just give us your email address, we can send you the links to those classes as well. Right now... Um, those are the only two classes I have in Cost City, the immersion class and the advanced class. But starting in January, we will be having a beginner's level course that's probably around six weeks long. And that will hopefully be on Zoom. So you can Zoom in wherever you are, or it will be at the Library and Learning Center in Cost City. Hopefully by then we'll have our camera to where you can go to that class from our Newkirk site as well. 
That way we're offering it in both communities. My classes in Newkirk, I like to call the the Cost City Language Department the language department. And then when we moved to Newkirk, that's our youth language department. That's where where we are located. We have access to 75 students just right there within the same area. But we do, on Fridays, we have a youth class that has around 23 to 25 kids that attend on Fridays from 3.30 till around 5.15. They are dropped off by the Newkirk school bus. We also transfer them from Scheidler schools and Ponca City schools. So once we all get there at 3.45, we start learning our Gonze EA and working on stuff that, that we need to work on, like performances and competitions, just fun ways to keep our language revitalization going amongst our youth. Um, why I say there's 75 students is because it's also convenient, conveniently located next to our child care facilities. And we have our before school age children in what I call the red building. And there's about 30 Jingaji children in that facility. And then across the street, we have our after school program that has about 20 to 25 students in there. And then I have my 25 that that commute to language class on Fridays. So you cover the spectrum. You have all sorts of um, resources available if you want to learn the language for multiple ages. Mm -hmm. So if someone was interested in learning about the language or wanting to become more affluent in it, what advice would you give them? What are some of the steps they can take to get started? What they should do is probably join a class and stick with it. Learning language is never easy and know that it's important and the importance of your language. It's sacred and it's going, it needs to be here for many generations. So I think just telling yourself that, that it's important and actually going to class and making that effort, I think that's enough. We have carnation.gov slash language. That'll have any contact information you need to get a hold of Storm and inquire into joining classes. That webpage also has um, various language resources, links to her learning site, her online learning site, vocabulary downloads, uh, basic language course, compiled prayers, and even a guide on Kanza verbs. You have personally authored a few educational materials, some books. I believe they're targeted towards children, correct? Yes. One is a traditional story um, called Wahoyinge, which is about an orphan and his journey on, I think, trying to find a wife and um, living with his grandma outside of the the camp circle it's it's a really cool book it comes with an audio book in the back so you're able to read along and listen to the pronunciation of the words i think there's also a key in there with our alphabet on it so it's a really useful learning tool the other book is a coloring book for young children and it goes over our numbers and a few animals and other useful vocabulary for them it also comes with the audio book in the back so you're able able to listen to the pronunciation. Those are both really good, but what I would start with would probably be come by the language department and grab a dictionary from me because our our dictionary, in the front of it, it's in Kanze'ie, and in the back of it, it's in Mahitange'ie, English. So 
you don't have to know Kanze Ia to look up a word. You can look up whatever word you want in English and find that pronunciation. So if you have a Kanze dictionary, I think that's the most useful language tool you can have. And if you're Kanze, those are free. Come to my department and see me. What other kinds of literature are available regarding, uh, you know, language education and preservation? Yeah, we have several different things. And if if you're curious about your clan or your people, we have a clan book that goes over that and some responsibilities of, of your clan and the way that, that our people were. And there's also, there's so, so many resources and materials in language because I'm not the only one that's been here. There's been my teacher, Justin McBride. There's been Dr. Bob Rankin, my grandma. There's hours and hours of audio. I mean, a decade worth of audio. So if you wanted to listen to those, come by the language department and those are available to to you. Um, there's a lot. You should come see me. Great. Well, thank you for sitting down with us today, Storm. I look forward to sitting down with you again in the future and, and learning more and talking more about these different programs that you have in place. For sure. We don't You've been listening to Kanza Radio, a weekly update on the people, events, activities, and services of the Kaw Nation. For more information, visit our website at kawnation.com or Kaw Nation on Facebook. Listen again next week at this same time for another edition of Kanza Radio.